This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to Love of the Star. I am Bobby Belt, joined as always by former NFL scout, Super Bowl winning NFL scout. I always got to put that in there. Long Brian time Broaddus. ago, Robert. You be- Long time ago. It doesn't matter. It's you. You have won a Super Bowl more recently than these Dallas Cowboys, Brian. That's true. So you that you can true. you can one up them. So how about uh, the same time? I got my ass kicked a lot by these Dallas Cowboys, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, to get one out of that era, man, we just – you kind of thought – I'll tell you what real quick, Bob. Mm -hmm. When when that Carolina – I remember Bob Harlan, the president of the Packers. Dallas was playing in Carolina, and we were playing the 49ers. And I remember Mr. Harlan, the president of the team, and he goes, man – we're finally going to get Dallas here in a in a championship game. We're finally going to get to. And I, I looked at him. I said, Mr. Harlan, no disrespect, sir, but we have never beaten the Dallas Cowboys since I've been here. And I go, I don't know. I would rather take my chances with the Carolina Panthers, who are an expansion team and, and all that. But, yeah, when when – it was funny because when that team lost in Carolina, it was almost like Troy Aikman at the end just gave up. It's mm-hmm. like the interception, the injuries were hitting. It was just really the shell of a team is really what it was. So, uh, you know, man, it was kind of a – in a way, it was good for the Packers and the 49ers and others because that team – I think that team, the way – it was structured, man. It could have, it could have just kept going and going and going if egos just wouldn't have gotten the way there for sure. That yeah. was that was a tough team to play. That Dallas team, those teams were tough. We had no problem with San Francisco. We had huge problems with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm curious, from your perspective, being in in those NFL, you know, discussions, those team discussions, and understanding where you are, you know, when when teams walk into we always hear teams talking so optimistically uh we think we match up well blah 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 do teams yeah. know a lot of times when they head into a game like we're not going to win this game like, like do yeah, they have no, that consciousness yeah. great example when we beat san francisco you know it's a huge upset you know for us to go and win the game and then the championship game we've got to go to dallas to play <laughs> and i remember walking past reggie white's locker it in Candlestick Park, and you know everybody was excited and motivated, and you know, yeah, we're going to play the cow, you know. And Reggie White was just peeling his tape off, and and I go, I go, Rev, what's up? You, you good? He goes, No, nah, not really. And I go, Well, we just won, you know, we we just we're going in NFC Championship game. He goes, Got to play Eric Williams. 
She goes, I, I, I don't like playing Eric Williams. I just don't like playing Eric Williams. And, and I started to think about it, and that's the first time that I ever saw Reggie White not be enthusiastic about playing a football game. He knew what he was up against playing against a guy like Eric Williams, who wasn't a conventional offensive tackle at all. Eric was a, a, a puncher, a grabber, uh, you know, thumb in the eye guy, uh, thumb in the throat, grab the neck, uh, you know, punching the ribs. Eric wasn't a traditional tackle. And Reggie always felt like if he played against a guy that kind of was a traditional player, that he would always have a, a really good chance of having success. But with Eric, it was totally different. There was Eric would do anything to win on that rep. And again, I've never seen the great Reggie White just just you could tell I mean he was so down about having to play against this guy and that's but that's that was the Cowboys in whole that was mm -hmm. the Cowboys of the early 90s that you knew when you were playing them yeah okay well you can you stop Emmett oh great they throw the ball to Michael Irvin for or they throw it to Alvin Harper or they throw it to uh to Jay Novacek or they throw you know uh you know Daryl Johnston gets something I mean they when you felt like you stopped one, you had five or six others that you had to deal with, whether that was offensively or defensively. It was just a terrible, terrible matchup for us in Green Bay. And uh, it's funny you bring up Eric Williams because I think a lot of this offseason for the Cowboys was obviously, I mean, Eric Williams, pre-car accident in 1994, he was a Hall of Fame Ooh. tackle. Um, and and so you, we're not talking about necessarily, well, we want to go out and acquire a bunch of Hall of Famers. But I think a big push for the team this offseason was let's acquire nasty, like Eric yeah. Williams. Not that they had Eric Williams in mind, but that's the type of player they were really looking sure. for this offseason. I think they want meaner, they want tougher, they want nastier. And... I, I want to kick off today this, you know, as we open up, I want to talk about some of these positions that we think are actually unsettled, where there's real competition and where there isn't. I know that you feel like if Tyler Smith doesn't start at left guard, you would like him to have a competition at right tackle. I know that's what you'd like. Do you actually think the Cowboys would open it up, though? Because I, I have a feeling like that's Terrence Steele's job, and, and I don't think they're opening yeah. that one up. I, You know what, though, Bobby? I, I don't want the learning curve – Okay, if Tyler Smith has to step in and play left tackle, I don't want it to be because he's it's just it's cold. It's just a cold, you know, wait, we're in week seven, you know, Tyron Smith, lower back tightness, didn't practice all week, gonna miss game, gonna miss another game, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want Tyler Smith to have to step in there and that be his first start. I really mm -hmm. don't. Me personally, I think that Tyler Smith is a better player than what Terrence Steele is at tackle. I and I Terrence Steele has come a long, long way, you know. But to me, Terrence Steele doesn't have any competition at tackle. You know, uh, we'll see what with Ball and well, Let's Go and those guys. We'll see, but there's really not any competition for him at head spot. And if they're going to go ahead and and make okay make if you're if you're comfortable with Terrence playing right tackle, which they obviously are, make some competition over there, but make it to a point where Smith's getting work at left guard. If he doesn't win that job at left guard, make him the swing offensive lineman. Other than the center part, other than center, 
he could play all the spots. Okay. So to me, I'm making it a competition. And if he can win the job at right tackle, I think that's good for the team because then when all of a sudden, if things break down in week seven, week eight, week nine, then it's not, oh, well, now we've got to now we've got to plug in a rookie and hope for the best who sat on the uh, the bench and active for eight weeks. Get get him ready to go. I would rather see I would rather see Terrence Steele be the backup swing tackle personally than I would Tyler Smith. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see the angle. I think, to me, I think the Cowboys held their – they feel like they held their competition for Steele last year. And I think they feel like he won the job last year and now it's his. And, and the competition is done there. Not that it's, you know, he's at a level of like Tyron Smith where it's that's his job all the time. But I think they just feel like we, we've committed to him. And, and, you know, we let Lyle Collins go and we're committing to Terrence Steele as our right tackle. And if we need to evaluate it at the end of the year, fine. But I think for now, this year, they're heading into it saying that's his job. They, they let – maybe I'm out of place here. They let they let Lyle Collins go because they didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. That's why they let Lyle Collins go. You know, the whole thing with the drug testing, you know, coming in in shape. You know, I mean, he was in great shape last year, but, you know, maybe they're ahead of the game. I mean, his, his salary is not that huge or wasn't that huge. And they, you know, thought, well, we'll play him at guard. And then, but you and I talked to people throughout the year. What were they worried about? The bend. Couldn't bend. Couldn't bend. Couldn't bend. Yep. So now you have the the manipulation of the drug testing stuff, and then you have a player that can't bend, and then you probably got Joe Philbin going, well, hey, man, this kid, you know, we won games with, with Terrence Steele playing right tackle. We won like six games, seven games with him playing right tackle. We could be fine with that. We don't need Lyle Collins. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you just you just worry about. You know, you just worry about coaches making decisions and then all of a sudden those coaches are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, those coaches are gone. I guarantee you if there was somebody else other than Joe Philbin here, I could say this, I could say this with certainty. I'm gonna say this with my chest. I think Lyle Collins is probably still here. I think there's a good chance of that. Um, now, like we said, the there were some issues there that weren't totally just related to Steele's presence and Philbin's. I mean, the suspension was a big deal. Not just the suspension, but that he fought the initial offer. And by the way, the person advising him to fight that initial offer and then ultimately getting suspended longer was Peter Schaefer, who they had a bad interaction with with Randy Gregory over the year. And, you know, quickly in the span of about a month, they purged all three players on their roster who were represented by Peter Schaefer. Um, But when we look at this, I mean, obviously we talked already, we referenced there that Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern, that's kind of, I think, the highlight point of where the, the competition is on this entire roster, like the starting job that's most up for grabs. I got a couple others that I think we're looking at here. I think wide receiver three is a competition and that'll go into the season because once Gallup is back, it's okay. Tolbert or Washington, who's got that gig. I think you've got right defensive end that that is, I think likely Dante Fowler, but I mean, there could be some, you know, competition there for Dorrance Armstrong or if Sam Williams shows, you know, that he's progressing well, he could be in there. And then to an extent, 
free safety. Now, they rotate free safety a lot. Uh, they rotate their safeties in a lot. They play three safeties. They're, they're, a lot of times last year, you saw three safeties playing over 50% of the snaps. Um, and that sort of rotation is also why I didn't really include linebacker because I think while Parsons is the, the hard one, you've got Van Der Esch and, and Cox, and that's three right there, but you often play with two, so that one's a little more wiggly and tough to like nail down as a competition. But, Brian, do you think we're on the right track there? Those are the starting jobs that are up for discussion, really, are left guard, wide receiver three, right defensive end, and free safety. Did you not think about three technique at all? I did, but I feel like the, I looked at both the defensive tackle spots, but I, I felt like, man, yeah. I think there is a little bit of a default here to Gallimore and Odigizua, I think. And so I, I even though there yeah. may be, I, I think it's as much of a competition as potentially center is. Um, but See, I, I, okay. I don't know how much they're actually going to push Biotish. Okay. Then, then they're sending us a message about Dan Quinn getting, getting Golston ready Chauncey Golston mm-hmm. to play three technique. Yeah. Something's going on there. Yeah. You don't move a guy that you would think is the backup. I would think that the closest thing to the type of player you have at left end would be Chauncey Golston. I, I, I don't think he's a dynamic pass rusher, but I think he plays the run really, really well at the point of attack, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm kind of interested why they would move a potential backup to tank Lawrence to three technique. They, you know, is something going on there with, with Tristan Hill. We kind of feel like this might be his last campaign mm-hmm. unless something happens. You know, we, you've mentioned, uh, you know, you've also mentioned, uh, you know, some of the, uh, with Oso Diggy Zawa, you've mentioned him Gallimore. as well. I, I don't know. I think, I think that they're trying to tell us that, Let's play a couple of guys. Let's play three guys at the three technique and see which one of these guys really, really shows up. The Neville Gallimore, I'd love to believe that Neville Gallimore is going to be a guy that's going to step in and be a real difference maker. The problem is every time I do that, he gets hurt (laughs) or something happens. It's a knee. It's an elbow. Something happens to where he's not in the picture. And I think that they're worried about that spot. I really, really do. I think the right defensive end, I think you're on to something there for sure. Fowler, I kind of feel like that they're going to see Fowler maybe as a specialist. Mm-hmm. You know, does, does the Armstrong. DPR, the DPR, does the designated Armstrong, pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. Does Armstrong, does, uh, you know, Williams. Basham. Do those guys get the lion's share of the work? And then the third down, say the the nickel rusher, designated rusher, could that be Fowler? Could that be could that be uh you know Parsons? You know, yeah. I think as as much as I've liked to watch the defensive line practice, I think they've got the best combinations of guys of all the positions that we're dealing with right now. A lot of things to consider here, uh, just with the the starting positions how the rotation will go and a lot of times as we know i mean who's starting is is a little bit trivial compared to who's getting most of the reps or who's playing when and where um and, and so i think that you know when we talk about starter we're just talking about basically like who are are your guys maybe not who's starting the game but it's like fowler in there getting the reps when the game matters at right defensive end so that that's more of what we're talking about uh bobby belt here with brian Broadus on love of the star as a reminder the love of the star is an odyssey podcast and can be found on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Brian, one of the next things I want to touch on here with you is we you kind of referenced there that who knows if this might be Tristan Hill's final yeah. shot. Um, I, I think this is likely his final year regardless, um, but he may not make it out of training camp even. I think that his his spot is not certain here. Uh, he's, he's struggled with maturity he's he's struggled with uh taking the the talents that he has and putting it together as a complete football player and he struggled with injuries and so that is is one player that I think people feel pretty certain about but I wanted to talk about some of these other guys that we look at as is this the final year for them with the Dallas Cowboys and so I got a few names here and I want to kick them around with you and the first one I'm going to bring up I got I got five names that we can talk about here is are they or are they not? And, and no offense right in here, Brian. I need you to tell me yes or no. Okay. <laughs> uh, first name here, Donovan Wilson, a guy that I think they've they've liked and thought had a, a chance to really start here and I think will get a chance to compete for the starting job along with Malik Hooker at free safety. Uh, but, you know, they, they did sign Malik Hooker for two years and Donovan Wilson's contract runs out this year. He's been plagued by injuries. He's always getting banged up, even though they love the ball skills and, and the range and uh, things like that. Donovan Wilson, do you think this is his final year with the Dallas Cowboys? No, I don't. Okay. I, don't. I, I think they like his toughness. I think they like the physicality. I think they like the fact that he's around the ball. I think that, that he's got that ability, the flexibility. And again, I hate the term now, position flex. <laughs> but he's got the flexibility to play back. And But I think he's a better down player as that box player, mm-hmm. you know, from what we've seen with Curse. So if not here, I think the best fit's here. But if not here, yeah, somewhere else. But I think that the Cowboys think enough of him. He's going to make enough plays for you. They'll find a way to keep him around. What if – you get a, a good problem, I guess, in that Wilson does make plays and does show encouraging signs, but Malik Hooker stays healthy and hits some of that potential that they've seen. Yeah. If they had to make a choice, um, because, you know, people saw Donovan Wilson went, well, you can have an opportunity to start over here. And it basically came down to like, well, I need to be a starter. Uh, do you think a, a strong performance from Malik Hooker could potentially end Donovan Wilson's time here? Yeah, I think I think Hooker and Wilson are different players. Mm-hmm. I think Hooker's a better cover guy. I yeah. think Hooker has, I think Hooker sees the field better. I think Hooker has the ability to go get the football when it's, and it's down the, down the sideline or up the hash. I think he's got the ability to just to make a play, to knock a ball down. I don't know if Wilson necessarily has all that. I think Wilson's really good at keeping things in front of him. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see them as two different players is really, to be honest with you, Bob. I see Wilson more of a curse. Even though curse has got ability to make plays on the ball, I think Hooker's got more ability to make plays of turn as opposed to Wilson Scott. 
Yeah, and I mean, Wilson, I think Wilson tracks the ball well. I think Wilson makes good plays on the ball. It's just like his coverage is limited. I think he has good ball skills and good ball instincts, but like in terms of the actual range that he has, it doesn't compare to what Malik Hooker can do. That's why it's funny. We talk about how, you know, I said that they're kind of competing for the safety spot a little bit, but like we mentioned earlier, there's three safeties playing on the field frequently because they will bring J. Ron Curse into the box to play up. And then Wilson essentially plays strong safety and Malik Hooker plays free safety. And so right. you end out with three safeties in name on the field, but it's because Curse is essentially playing sort of a hybrid linebacker role. Linebacker, right, yeah. right. So the next name here for you, and this is an interesting one because I think some people thought his time would have ended here earlier, and now I'm asking, could he potentially be here past this year? Uh, but it's Anthony Brown. And Anthony Brown is a guy who his contract, he got a three-year extension to come back. Um, he This is his final year of his deal. He played probably the best football of his career last year, even with the penalties and the, the Raiders game. And I know he frustrated people at times, but he was a good player for them. And there's... Yep uncertainty about Kelvin Joseph there's you know Nishan Wright is somebody they picked in the third round but uh, you know I, I don't know that that's progressing quite where they wanted it to yet they picked Deron Bland in the fifth round but is this Anthony Brown's final year like I think a lot of people assumed or is there an opening do you think for hey maybe we look at this at the end of the year and we're still not certain about some of these young corners Anthony Brown's a good player yeah I think Anthony Brown is going to play well again this year and I think he's going to price himself out of what the Cowboys want to pay. I think Anthony Brown last year, I thought he showed uh, incredible moxie the way he played. I, I, I get it. The Vegas game was not one of his best. He bounced back from that Tampa game that was a, a, a problem for him in week one. But, you know, you really only two games out of all the games he played, his flexibility to play on the outside, to play in the slot. He's looked good in the OTAs and the mini camps that I've seen. The times he's been out there covering guys, staying with guys. I think Anthony Brown is about to have another really nice year and price himself out of being part of the Dallas Cowboys roster in 2023. Asking to look into your crystal ball a little bit here. Obviously, the Cowboys would prefer for Kelvin Joseph to get his act together and step up and become that guy. And that, you know, yeah. uh, with Jordan Lewis under contract for another two years, you could potentially just go Lewis Joseph Diggs into 2023. Right. Uh, but looking into your crystal ball a little bit, do you think if Anthony Brown leaves, the Cowboys have enough questions remaining about uh, Kelvin Joseph in a year that they go, uh, well, we got to address this either with a veteran yeah, or pick somebody in the absolutely. top hundred. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see, you know, the Cowboys have a history. Uh, I should, I should probably, before I fire this bold <laughs> statement off, I should probably look up the names, but they have a history of really some good second round picks. They also have a great history of busts in the mm-hmm. second round as well. Guys that didn't work out. Uh, you know, this one I think is on Dan Quinn. If it doesn't work out, yep. uh, you know, we haven't said a lot of negative things about Dan Quinn, but Dan Quinn, Will McClay, Mike McCarthy, were all in Lexington, Kentucky for the, for the workout. They were all there. They had the interviews. They know the coaches. You do your due diligence. They sent their lawyer down to Baton Rouge to figure some stuff out. They did a lot of work on Kelvin Joseph before he was drafted. And if Kelvin Joseph doesn't work out, then there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. But we all know who the cast of characters are here, you know, for that. And sometimes it doesn't work out. uh, But – I'm willing to I'm willing to see what happens. I know we, you and I in a month's time will be uh, going to Oxnard and watching practices and stuff. You know, Kelvin Joseph does not need to get injured. 
Kelvin Joseph needs to practice every snap he can get. Kelvin Joseph needs to play in all the preseason games, and he needs to establish himself the type of player that he can be. If he doesn't do that, I, I don't think the Cowboys have any problem moving on from him and, and trying to address that in 2023. Next name, a guy who wants a longer-term deal was franchised this year, and that's Dalton Schultz. I think we've talked about this a little bit on 105 through the fan. Um, I think Dalton Schultz, this was about, there were so many shakeups to Dax targets, you know, no more Mark sure. Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Gallup's not yeah. going to be ready. CD lamb is taking on a new role, uh, that I think they felt like, man, we can't just reset everything. There's gotta be some comfort option here. So let's just pay the 10 million bridge it over, build up the tight end room. Uh, I feel like this is Dalton Schultz's last year, even though he wants a longer term yeah. deal and the Cowboys have publicly said like, Oh, you know, we're, we're working. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's this last year too. Uh, you know, they're going to find a way again. Uh, these tight ends, you know, they drafted Dalton Schultz. They developed Dalton Schultz. You know, they could find another Dalton Schultz, you know, paying a tight end, you know, unless their name is uh, Kelsey or, you know, the, the guy out in San Francisco or the guy in Vegas, or, you know, that, those are the guys you pay. Dalton Schultz is not the guy you pay. This, I think you've nailed it. Um, I think that you just did not want to totally deplete any options that Dak Prescott had throwing the ball this year. Wouldn't be surprised if Dalton Schultz, I can guarantee he'll probably be second in receptions this year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised if he's first in receptions when it's all said and done. Next name here, a a longtime Cowboy, a future Hall of Famer, but a guy who uh, is is definitely on the back half of his career, is definitely starting to slide down a little bit, and that's Tyron Smith. Um, the Tyler Smith pick was as much about fixing left guard this year, I think, or, or trying to address that as much as it was about finding your future left tackle, I think. Um, I've said this to you. I've said it on the air a number of times. The Cowboys were – shaken by his performance against San Francisco. That was troubling to them in a way that one game is usually not that troubling to to teams. That was troubling to them and made them wonder, are we on an aggressive downward trajectory with Tyron Smith? And so uh, Tyron Smith, do you think this is final year or if he proves he can stay healthy and he has a good year, do they say, you know what? He's still cheap. Let's carry him over another year. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be healthy. He's going to miss three games. Those three games that Tyler Smith says, plays say at left tackle will determine what the fate of Tyron Smith is much like what we saw with Lyle Collins, you know, I mean, uh, Tyron Smith is not making a lot of money. I've talked to people in the organization have told me if Dallas tries to trade him, he'd just retire Mm -hmm. that he probably wouldn't play anymore. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like that, you know, we're going to, we're going to see Tyron Smith miss those three games Tyler Smith's going to play in the three games. If Tyler Smith shows he can handle the job, like much like uh, like Steele did for Lyle Collins at right tackle, you're going to see them move on from Tyron Smith. Are, are you concerned about the way he looked in the San Francisco game, or do you write yeah. that off to uh, that was COVID and it was one game, or, or was that a really troubling performance? They, they haven't had. They did not have one player. This year, and I want to think about that because because Randy got COVID, Randy Gregory, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to think if he played well after the COVID. He didn't get a sack, but he came back against the Philly game, drew a bunch of holding penalties, was pressure. He might have been the only one then because remember the situations that they were going through. Everybody that came back from the COVID, I mean, struggled. Well, 
uh, Zach Martin came back from COVID, you know, uh, after week one. But, yeah, it, it seemed like that everybody that had the COVID on this team, was it was a struggle to get back to the level that they had before they were uh, – before they got sick. So do you see a, a, a decline that mirrors what we saw in San Francisco? Yeah. Or do, you, do you think yeah. it was? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, you know, Tyron Smith is going to be in incredible shape. Mm-hmm. You know that he is going to be ready to play, but the problem is Tyron Smith gets rolled up in games. Uh, he gets, you know, he's blocking people fall on the back of his legs. He's had some terrible luck with guys on the ground, falling in the ankles, falling in the knees he deals with a back thing that you just don't know when it's going to flare up. He could be sleeping in a hotel room this year at uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, and be a, a be a scratch. You know, you and I are doing the pregame show, and it's Tyron Smith that's going to be a scratch because his back acted up in a hotel bed in Appleton, Wisconsin. You yeah, know, that's that's what you deal with on a daily basis right there. Yeah, and I think that's part of why we saw Tyler Smith. That That's my theory as to why we have not just seen Tyler Smith taking the left guard reps is because I yeah. think they, they know there is going to come a couple games a season where he's going to need to play left tackle. Yep. So I think they're wanting to get him. He's played some left guard snaps alongside Tyron Smith, but a lot of it's just been rotating in and out with Tyron. Right. Also makes me wonder if the fact that we're just seeing him rotate and not taking a lot of snaps inside at left guard makes me wonder if Tyron's still a little banged up from that thing that caused him to miss practice a couple weeks ago. And so yeah. that was something that I was considering. Uh, and last name for you here, and I think we we both agree on this one, and that's Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but they've, they've surprised us before. And, I mean, they got Demarcus Lawrence. You know, hey, let's get you a new contract so we can lessen our cap hit and it'll keep here for a few years. Do you think this is... For sure, regardless, of, I, I feel like whatever he does on the field, I feel like this is still probably Ezekiel Elliott's last year. He could go out there and rush for yeah. 1,400 yards, and I think he's probably done yeah. still. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that they're just trying to get the contract. I I asked somebody, there was some really, around Cowboy Nation, there was some really uh, big rumors that, that they were going to give Zeke an extension, mm-hmm. you know, to make up for the caps, you know, and try and lower the cap number and all that. I reached out to three different guys in the organization. One of them goes, that is absolute news to me about an extension. So, yeah, I, I, I think that they're, they're going to get the contract where it can be manageable, where they can move on from it. And, you know, you're starting to see the wear and tear with Ezekiel Elliott. He will come in in good shape. He will be ready to go. But we'll see how that all plays out here, uh, here in the next uh, – the next, you know, the next few weeks and stuff like that, especially we get to training camp and stuff like that. You know, that will be a uh, that will be uh, something worth keeping an eye on, because I think it's two questions there. Uh, it's the questions of Zeke and it's the questions are they really going to use Pollard? You know, that those are the two running back questions that I have. And I know some people wonder this. I think when you talk to people inside the Cowboys, they are painfully aware they made a mistake with that contract. And I think yeah. that they, well, they, they, knew it. they, 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 knew it. they would, yeah. if you ask them in private, I think everybody in the organization would tell you, we should not have done that. We should have yeah. called us bluff. They absolutely, and, and they blah, absolutely blah. know that. Bob. Absolutely. All right. We're going to jump to your uh, mailbag questions from Twitter. Before we do that again, I want to remind you the love of the star is an odyssey podcast and you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. 
players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian. So I know you enjoyed this uh, last week, the mailbag questions. You always like getting the, the questions from from the people on Twitter and, and the listeners. And it's because, uh, you know, they, they, they ask good questions. They, they're good listeners. Yeah. I, I, I love interaction with fans. I have people that like, why do you do that? Why do you interact with people? Why do you, you know, why do you, uh, you know, why do you, you know, do things where, you know, it's, uh, you know, you want to, you know, why do you want to put yourself in those situations and stuff? I think, I think the fan interaction is important. I yeah. really, really do. I, I think they listen to these podcasts. They're, they're here talk, you know, I mean, if they want to ask a question, you know, maybe they get their question answered. I think that's the best thing about the interaction we have on the radio, whether we do it off the text or the Twitch or wherever. I think it's those are the best things. So I, I do love the fan questions myself. First question here, and I'm going to do this one first because it's more a general question uh, that doesn't apply totally just directly to the Cowboys. But Michael is saying, uh, general direction of the NFL question, with the inevitability of the 18-game schedule, do you guys think the NFL will ever consider conference bye weeks to avoid being off the TV completely? It would have the added benefit of introducing new teams to new markets. Thanks. So the idea being the first buy would be your normal buy and they'd structure everything else. And then to kind of simplify things you would just have the nfc is off on this week of the second bye and the afc is off this week and then you just have uh teams playing against their conference uh the it's an interesting thought um i don't know that i don't know that they would ever do it like that but uh brian just as your own thought would you think there'd be any issues from NFL teams? Could you think of anything that an NFL team would logistically say, ah, I don't like the idea of our entire conference being off? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. And I, you know, to me, I, it's one of those things where I never really gave that any thought about that. You know, I was, you know, I was part of a, a season where there were two buys and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, it just seemed like it made the season a lot longer. I know that for some reason, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, I, I, I anything they, they're going to look at any possibilities for the television. They, they, the whole the whole idea why your billions of dollars are being spent is because of those matchups. You know, you know, Kansas City versus Tampa, uh, you know, whoever Dallas versus Philly, whatever, you know. Those are the matchups. They're looking for the best possible matchups in any way to kind of make sure that you have more of those big games on television, I think the league will will clearly uh, go in that direction. So if it helps to get better matchups and more matchups, I'm sure the league has already given it some thought. Colin Brennan asks, uh, and we've sort of discussed this a little bit already, uh, who takes over the center field role at safety? Curse will likely play closer to the box and focus on tight ends. I assume they want Hooker to replace KZ, but I feel Malik has other traits to offer. Not trying to get ahead of myself, but Marquise Bell intrigues me as center field safety. So I I know that their thought with Marquise Bell is – he has J. Ron Curse traits, and that they feel like right. that Bell can be a starter right. pack for for right. uh, Curse. And while Bell came from uh, Florida A and M, he right. was a bigger recruit initially. He went to Maryland. Uh, I believe he was uh, kicked out of the, off the team early on. Ended up at at uh, FAMU, uh, but I think 
as we've kind of discussed here, I think they believe Hooker has those traits and they bought into yeah. him with a two-year deal. So to me, it's I, I think it makes a lot of sense that Hooker's the, the center fielder for them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the guy that we just talked about it in the previous segment that we were doing, um, the, the better center field player is Hooker mm-hmm. is because he's got the range, he's got the ball skills, he's got the ability to track balls in air. I think that's who they want to play at, at, at free safety if they can. Yeah, and like I said, I think that Donovan Wilson has ball skills, but in terms of center field and being able to better to around roam, the line, yeah, and, better, and, better and, around the line, and being yeah. able to roll. I mean, there was that preseason what he had like three interceptions that rookie preseason. So I mean, he does make plays on the ball, but it's generally not the type of you know long rangy Ed Reed types of interceptions. That's that's not his typical game. There, uh, we've got at Kobe three. Says, who do you expect to be the swing tackle this year? Love 77, but worry about his health. Was last year's sample, uh, small sample size for steel enough to not be worried about right tackle? Swing tackle is a concern, in my opinion. I think swing tackle is absolutely a concern. And I don't know about you, Brian, but I feel like their current plan, and they could change on this, mm-hmm. I think their current plan is they're not going to have like a, a designated swing guy. They're going to have a backup left tackle and a backup right yeah. tackle. Um, yeah. Similar to like when Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight were both here and it wasn't really a swing. Right. It was, they were designated on sides. I think, well, let's, I think Tyler Smith is the left tackle backup. If you're not going to move Tyler Smith, I think it's, well, let's go at left ball at right tackle. If any one of them was going to swing, I would guess it'd be, well, let's go. Cause I think Josh balls in trouble. This training. Camp. I think, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You've, You've been very adamant about Josh Ball being in trouble, and I I totally agree with you on that. I really, really do. I just, uh, you know, I was expecting him physically to look at him after a complete year off of not having to play football, to get his body right. You know, he didn't get his body right. He didn't. No. Get, he doesn't look bigger. He doesn't look physically stronger. And I think that they're. I think there's a lot going on there. I think he's a guy that just is – he's just going to try and play on natural ability, but he lacks really strength. He lacks power. And I think it's going to be very evident when we watch these uh, practices and preseason games that uh, that he is probably going to be an odd man out uh, because of, you know, he just did not do enough, I think, in the offseason to make me feel any different about him. John asks a good question here. If the Cowboys bring in an outside free agent, which position is most likely addressed? Offensive line, linebacker, wide receiver. So I, I think that question, I don't know if he's meaning like sign somebody now, like a post-June 1 yeah. cut. I think it's more likely that similar to the signing they made with Malik Hooker last year, which they got into camp, they got into a couple practices, and they went, uh, we want, we need a yeah. safety. And so I think it'd be similar where they'd get in there and the first week go, we got to bring in some guys to to flesh this out. This is not going to work. And so I guess that question could also be, which of those positions do they get a week into training camp and go, this isn't, you know, quite what we wanted it to be. And I think you've said, and, and I'll let you answer, but I think you've said you feel like that position's wide receiver. I do. I do. The, the one thing that Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, is, and Will McClay have done, they've taken aggressive approaches to the wide receiver position go all the way back when I was working for the Cowboys and personnel with Joey Galloway and people like that, Jerry Jones, Roy Williams, they've always, they've, they've always been willing to move assets to get better players. Now, uh, yeah, I, now the problem you run into is maybe some of the best wide receivers that are on the market. Are they washed up? Are they hurt to the point where you can't use them anymore? 
you know, I mean, I think that's kind of where you're at with Odell Beckham and people like that. I mean, I'm here in October, November on mm. him. You'd like to go out and get a guy like that, but I, but you're in a situation too where you're also thinking about the wide receivers and like they can they just cannot they just cannot let this thing go south. You know, I mean, they've got to help their their quarterback for sure. On those other positions, though, like I mean, when we just talked about the swing tackle, do you think they could get into camp and go? This isn't going to work. We can't trust ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of spots. Like I say, they could they have some surplus. I think at defensive line. So maybe they could find a way to move a defensive lineman in order to get an offensive lineman. I think that's something we need to keep an eye on. Which the last time I can remember them doing that, it's when they had a surplus at corner and they traded yeah. Charvarius Ward for Parker yeah. Anger. Parker exactly. Parker exactly. Anger never played it down here. Charvarius never Ward yeah. was a good starter in Kansas City and just signed a big deal in San Francisco. So uh, just be careful with that if you're if you're if you're going to yeah. do that. Uh, question from Dean. Uh, from weeks 10 to 18 after the bye, who do you think, and I think this is a good question, who do you think will have more sacks in that stretch, Sam Williams or Dorrance Armstrong? I want to say it's probably going to be Dorrance Armstrong. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm a Dorrance Armstrong believer, uh, and I, there was a time where I wasn't a Dorrance Armstrong believer. I think he's starting to turn the corner with his technique. I think he's, I think he's really well coached now. And that was something, if you look at, you know, nothing against Rod Marinelli or anybody like that. I think that AD, I think they've got him, Dan Quinn. I think they've got some guys that know how to help some of these young pass rushers. So I'm going to say just because experience, Dorrance Armstrong is going to be that guy. He had two and a half sacks the first three years of his career. Dorrance got five sacks last year. Yeah, He had uh, eight quarterback hits in his first three years combined. He had 12 last year and really came on in the second half of the season too. Um, And so with that specific question though about Sam Williams or Dorrance Armstrong, here's the one reason why I might lean Sam Williams. Uh, I, I think Sam Williams has been impressive in, in some of these practices, uh, Sam Williams, I think is going to be used in a way that will allow him to just kind of pin his ears back and rush. Whereas Dorrance Armstrong is, is going to be asked to play, I think a little bit more of a complete role. Is that a factor that, that might lend to Sam Williams being able to, to take that in the second half of the season is look, he's, he's just coming in there and obvious passing downs and he can just go. He doesn't have to, to worry about cheating to his certain side or whatever else. Right. And so that's something to consider there. Last question here. Uh, where are we at here? This one from Jake. And this, again, speaks to some of the questions about the future at corner. Wanting to know how Nashawn Wright has looked. Nashawn Wright has been, and there hasn't been a lot of discussion about that. I don't believe, he didn't practice in the first OTA or, or did he? I can't yeah. recall. They, they don't have to tell us who missed practice on the days we don't see. The days that we've seen, uh, the last several weeks especially, maybe the first OTA he did, I can't recall, but he was not practicing. Um, no. He was out of pads. Uh, yeah. And, and he was he was on the exercise bike a lot and, and just kind of hanging out there. But uh, they didn't get Kelvin Joseph a lot of practice time. Nashawn Sean Wright didn't get a lot of practice time. That actually opened up a good opportunity for Deron Bland, who Deron Bland, I yeah. think, did have good yeah. practices. Sure and did. and Bland is a guy that I know they believe he can play inside, he can play outside, and he yeah. has some flexibility to play safety. Uh, but So I guess I'll take that Nashawn Wright question and, and say to you, how did what did you think of Deron Bland and his progress? Yeah, no, I, I tell you what, anytime that guys uh, you know get opportunity, you got to take advantage of that. I, I don't care if it's rookie, third-year guy, seventh-year guy, whatever. Bland took advantage of Wright and Joseph being out, you know, and, you know, the fact that they throw those guys out there 
give them an opportunity uh, to be a, a part of that. See if they bust, you know, do they know their assignments? All these things. I thought Bland did a pretty damn good job. And he has to have some confidence going into training camp. Uh, about some of the way, like the ways I've seen him practice. I thought he was pretty damn good. And I'll, I'll just finish by saying the name I want you all to keep an eye out for Isaac Taylor Stewart, the undrafted yeah. free agent corner from USC. I, I did, really I, I did hear a little bit there while he's had some good practice. I have heard some whispers yeah. from the building needs to yeah. be better in the classroom that, that yeah. they need him to be a little more. That's going to be a problem. They yeah. need him to be a little bit more consistent there. Well, Brian, uh, I always enjoy doing this with you. Uh, we'll have another one for you guys on Friday. Uh, again, send us any questions you have or any topics you'd like us to get into. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Broaddus. You can also catch him two to seven on one Oh five through the fan with the G bag nation. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby belt TX. Uh, Brian, appreciate you, man. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again. All right. And we will talk to you guys on Friday.